0: welcome to constant struggle i'm nick watson
1: and i'm Bree watson this is episode 67 of the constant struggle podcast and it features an interview with improviser and uh you know i'm gonna say boss <laughs> i'm saying boss boss of the bad dog comedy theater coco galore that yeah. was a great episode what do you think
0: for, for sure like strong boss energy but in a good way In yeah. a like Let's build the hell out of this community and make yeah. it
2: good.
1: Yeah. yeah, I loved I love it. Now before we jump into Coco's uh chat, why don't we uh, why do we catch up? Nick, what do you think? We we can do that
0: Brie, if you want. I mean, no one needs to hear
1: anything about Uh-oh, that. Oh, <laughs> I sense struggles.
0: Uh I'm <laughs> I mean, if if struggle means just watching too much HBO quality program, then count me struggling. <laughs>
1: uh oh. Um, well, maybe you're just refilling your tank.
0: Oh my god, my tank is just like fill me.
1: Fill me with HBO goodness. <laughs> and then my tank
0: is <laughs> then my tank is like, oh my god, McConaughey, fill me up with him too. Oh, what are you uh,
1: McConaugheying? True Detective. Yeah, okay. I remember when that was on, but I never watched it. Is it good? I it's can't good?
0: wait to learn how time is a flat circle. That's the whole reason why I'm gonna watch this.
1: I don't get that. I don't get it. Okay. It's a reference. <laughs> and did you say you just finished what was the other one you just finished? I finished nothing. I'm oh, just in, the just like in the middle of like five shows. Of all of it. Yeah. Uh yeah, I just I finished the Sopranos and I'm excited about it.
0: Woke up this morning. <laughs>
1: yep <laughs> oh man um
0: that's a lot of seasons right that's like nine years
1: I think of my si- life i thought but it was that's... just six it's oh no, that's, yeah, that's not yeah that's fine bad. or maybe that's it's eight fine. shit i don't remember no <laughs> okay i don't remember i was fully invested and now i'm sad that i don't get to like eat my manicote with the soprano family every night <laughs> <laughs> uh
0: okay well like my lack of creativity aside how's it going with you brie <laughs>
1: uh <laughs> ah! Uh I gotta say there's like a lot of improv stuff that's still going on. That's great. Mm, okay. uh, oh, six seasons. I just confirmed there. Was six seasons. I mean uh, that's
0: important. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I um I'm doing a bunch of improv. I'm at day 85 as of the day we're recording of the <sighs> hundred day of improvs. Mm-hmm. Uh, of improv scenes that i'm doing so noise not 15 left to go and then no improv ever again my entire life done just pure I finished the improv. what are you gonna do
0: sculpting next
1: yeah i think uh i might go that's in- how it goes yeah. right sculpting nudes specifically that's what I'm going for. <laughs> i want to focus on the wang yeah <laughs> if there's one thing missing from improv <laughs> it's a wang uh, focus. It's Wang. Yeah, there's not enough Wang focus. Uh no, so that's going well. Uh I almost I've been doing a lot of self tapes, which is fun, but also what, wait. Oh
0: no, sorry. What is a self tape? Is that so, like a real like a
1: it's like they're like this is how we're auditioning now during the pandemic. Mm. So you tape yourself at home reading, you know, what it is they want you to read, and then most of oh. the time you never hear back.
0: <laughs> okay. So but, they're like their uh, work from home auditions. Basically, yes. So you don't oh. have to
1: go into the casting room and cough all over anybody just to see if you, you know, you'd be who they wanted to hawk beer, you know? Yeah, that sounds more intelligent than the uh, entirety of our province. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I hope they keep it up this way because I am saving a fortune on gas. <laughs> uh, <Yes>. yeah. <laughs> <I'm> sorry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. I almost got one. I got really close. I got like second place to booking a commercial and I know I'm second place because they paid for me to stay in Toronto just in case the person they actually wanted got COVID the day of.
0: That's, that's so, I don't know, is cool the right word? It's interesting. Anyway. It's
1: interesting. Yeah. Interesting times uh but yeah anyway so lots of lots of that kind of stuff where i'm lacking right now is the writing department i wish i was writing more mm. um,
0: how, at- how are you doing for time like in the day are you busy or are you just like well, Nick, oh, I've I'm, got so much Sopranos to watch right
1: now. <laughs> I always, I try to work during the day and then like save the Sopranos for nighttime. Okie dokie. Uh, and usually it's pretty good, but I think the time hasn't been as focused as I would like it to be. So I just started listening to this podcast. Oh, why not? I'm going to shout out this other podcast I was listening to. Sure. There the there are
0: other podcasts other than ours. Right
1: now. I know. It's going to surprise you to hear, but there are <laughs> other podcasts. <laughs> yep. um, it's called Being Boss. Yeah, it's about like managing your own business and stuff, which is great because mm. I do. Um, and I just thought it, it's anyway, it's I, right now I'm at the stage where I'm tracking my time to see where it's going, right? To see what okay. I'm spending how, my time on. I've started. How, how this long h- do you have to do that for? Well, they recommended just start with a week. And then she was like, and then, wow. you'll, get <laughs> and okay. then you'll get hooked. And you'll get hooked and you'll want to do it forever. So I've done it this week and I do find it very helpful. Uh, Hmm. Like there's tons of apps you can use that help you with it too, right? Like I've got an app called toggle track, which tracks, you just put in like what it is you're working on and and you can divide it up by categories and it just taught, you know, it's like a little running timer. Uh, And then I guess at the end of the week you go back and you're like, Oh, maybe I spent too much time on Instagram or too much time doing this or that, whatever. Oh, okay. Uh, Yeah. So Already I've spent like this week I spent way less time on Instagram than I normally do. So I think it's a, it's, I don't know, it's the accountability that I'm looking for. And also because I had to spend a bunch of time, well, like a day, I was, I was worried I would have to spend a day in Toronto. I was Mm -hmm. able to do all the things like, and I had a super busy day, the day after. So I was like, okay, well I can prep all the stuff I need to do the day you know after just in case i'm not available just in case they do call me to set on wednesday so anyway it's it's been helping me plan better too <clears throat> okie okay, dokie yeah that sounds good yeah well hopefully it'll translate to more writing time productivity yes what about you uh you uh, where are you up to in your uh writing stage
0: yeah, nowhere i'm in the wilderness right now okay yeah, I got like loads of editing and I don't want to do it because it's boring and I write crap and no one wants to read my stuff ever. So that's why I,
1: I have volunteered to read your thing. You have my stuff. I I have the. <laughs> I, I thought it had been edited since. Oh, well, who,
0: who could say, Brie?
1: Well, fine. When, give me an um, um, up to date copy of it. Oh,
0: no. Oh, okay. No, I wasn't digging for, like, please edit my stuff. I was more like, what I write is trash, and no one would want to read it.
1: Oh, you sound like such a writer right now. <laughs> oh, it's because every writer's right. Huh. <laughs>
0: all, all our shit is shit,
1: you know? That's right, Nick. Writers write. <laughs> they are. <right? laughs> uh, well, uh, hopefully, I don't know. Hopefully, you'll find the motivation. Now. I don't know. I guess Yeah, it's- I don't know. Yeah. I'm just
0: beating myself up, because yeah. it's fun can't beat up other people might as well beat me up i don't know if this is healthy
1: <laughs> maybe you should talk to someone nick and by someone i mean not me because what do i know uh i do improv <laughs> that's how you cried. <laughs> that's right <laughs> every day for about at least 10 minutes a day for the past 85 days Yes, <laughs> Well, speaking of someone who is not crying, who's taking life, you know, by the horns and and Woo! what <laughs> and riding, bringing their theater company into, you know, the sunny future. Why don't okay, we jump? Wow. Into, is that is that okay? I don't know. I like that. That took me on a journey, and I'm oh, glad good. I went. Oh, good. The improv is working. <laughs> <laughs> uh all right here we go let's uh get ready folks i think you're really gonna enjoy this interview uh with coco galore hey take a listen enjoy uh coco galore give it up nick yo what's up what's up coco how are you
3: uh, I'm good. I went. I ventured outside today, so I'm 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 all right.
1: On <laughs> the <laughs> big adventure.
3: Yes, um, I went to Starbucks. Oh. <laughs> Was it what did you get?
1: Oh yeah, I'm curious to know what's that well, like. They on? have
3: a new drink, called <gasps> the br- brown sugar oat milk americano.
1: So that not. sounds like breakfast. You know, that sounds like a tasty yeah. breakfast coffee drink. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> They that's look intrigued all those
0: words sound nice
1: <laughs> yeah it's, it's actually good, <laughs> good. that's awesome yeah. was it a big lineup that's the one thing that i'm like scared to go back to starbucks to have to wait in line
3: no th- i i order from mobile because oh, i read an cool. article so i already ordered through mobile and mm-hmm. i felt bad doing that because i know that there's um like like a cashier staff Mm-hmm. That is there. So I was like, oh, maybe I should go in and order so that person feels like, you know what I mean? Um, like they're doing something. Like, right? yeah, like
1: a human being. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. And but I read an article saying that Starbucks employees have been like the five things that they want you to know. And one of it was like, Can y'all order through mobile? And I was like, <laughs> Oh, okay, then I will. So I order through mobile, I go in. It's like, it's like those circle, like that, that Simpson where he walks into the house, puts uh, on the hat <laughs> and goes right back out.
1: <laughs> That's oh, basically man. what it is. Sometimes like if, if it's not too busy, you'll get the person who's like, oh, Coco, your order's right here, you know? And then you're kind of yeah. like, oh, that's, yeah. <laughs> but then most of the oh, time, right. it's, it's. Oh, human
0: crazy. interaction.
1: <laughs> yeah. One time i
3: just walked in the door and she was like hi coco and she gave it to me and i i was like how did you even know it was me like i'm wearing a mask <laughs> oh do they have like a photo of you on there no <laughs> but she was just like i just knew and i was like oh okay
1: big coco energy coming Yeah, from big, <laughs> it's
3: like that's a coco coming through <laughs> mask and all let's
1: just give it to her amazing amazing uh Coco, this is, I'm so happy you're here. I loved. I love, uh, much to Nick's dismay, uh, to talk improv, (laughs) to talk improv all the time. How did Coco find comedy? (laughs) How did Coco get into comedy? What's that journey look like?
3: Oh, man. Um, That journey was me training um, in general to be anything in the field, in the entertainment field, trying to figure out where like um where I should go I was training as an actor as a camera actor like film camera actor and okay. and uh uh one of my instructors was just like I I think you should do comedy I think you're a comedic actor and I was like Oh, what <laughs> <laughs> and where were you
1: taking classes at the time
3: um that place is no longer okay so that yeah so that's what I'm going to say that place is no longer um there's still teachers I think but They're like, that institution is no longer, but they were just wonderful. And so they were like, yeah, I think you're a comedic actor. And I was like, oh, okay. And they're (laughs) like, why don't you, why don't you give Second City a try? So I did. And I never looked back. That's, Mm. that's just what I got to say. Like I did. (laughs) And I never looked back. Actually, that's not true. I did. I took like a couple of courses, then I took a break and then I went back okay and then and then when i went back i never i really never looked back
1: you just like jumped in you were there i love it and um yeah so did you already did you already know like right when you were a kid like i want to be a performer i want to be in the entertainment yeah. yeah, I knew yeah.
3: that I wanted to be a performer. I watched Fame when I was really young. Oh, that's how I, totally like, I was like this is going to be my life. I had no idea what I was watching, of course. <laughs> I was so young. But I just love um yeah, I just love showbiz so much. And I think one of the things that you kind of have to figure out as you go through, you know, the biz and stuff is where do you where do you fit in? right and not everybody has to be um i always use brad pitt but i'll use (laughs) julia roberts today (laughs) not everybody has to be julia roberts like julia roberts needs to be julia roberts there's a team of people and i'm not talking about her personal team i'm talking about the camera crew the director the producers there's a team of people helping this Production, this film, this star becomes the star. So you kind of start to figure out what are the different things that I can do in the industry. And yeah. yeah.
1: That's kind of cool, though. A lot of the people we talk to have, uh, there's there's like a big divide between like, yes, I knew this from like the moment I was born, I would be an entertainer. And then there's some people who were like, I tried this other thing, and it was not for me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so it's it's I think it's cool when somebody knew, you know, when somebody knew all along that this is what they wanted to do. Uh, yeah, I just didn't know I wanted
3: to be a comedic performer. I didn't know because comedy was just a personal thing that I did mm. in like my family with my friends, like, you know we're always laughing and stuff like that and i loved um imitating people and finding <laughs> the humor in situations but i never thought of that as like a career path i was like i'm gonna be a serious actor <laughs>
1: <laughs> so were you like a big fan of comedies growing up and stuff or no i guys? wasn't oh <laughs> i wasn't that's
3: the, that's the thing i don't know as much co- uh, about comedy as like i remember like uh when i went to second city like some of those people um and I want to say maybe you also like y'all know like people's names when they wrote what when they were on (laughs) SNL when they were on SCTV like who wrote what movie and what it did to like the comedy culture I don't really know anything like that I know a bit about um like African-American comedy culture Um, because that was the culture that I took in, but I, Mm. I really know nothing about like, just like sketch writing. And I know nothing like, well, not know nothing. I knew nothing. Now I know stuff. Yeah. There's there's
0: nothing funnier than knowing the detailed history of anything.
1: (laughs) No. Yeah. we're, We're just like, yeah. I don't know if being a huge comedy nerd really helps you when you actually get up on stage and have to perform. (laughs) hold on a second i have a delivery (laughs) (laughs) all right i love it what what did you get there that looks i don't i just saw a quick bite but it looks delicious oh my god we got dim sum oh Oh, man (laughs) so Jonas lives upstairs
3: and um often we order food together oh that's smart yeah so (laughs) he'll be like we're getting dim sum and i'm like great (laughs)
2: yeah we are (laughs)
1: So you started at Second City, uh, and was it improv just to start off with, or were you doing some writing and and that kind of stuff, or was it, did you just start in improv? No,
3: I just started with um, improv. Once again, just didn't really know what back things I should be doing. Writing was so far, like, I just didn't even know or understand what it was. And I would say I finished conservatory, still don't understand (laughs) it.
1: wow <laughs> what was your conservatory show what what was it called
3: it was called uh, don't quit your daydream ah yeah oh. and it was a great show and I learned a lot about writing my director was Carly Heffernan yeah. and she taught me so much about like you know generating like premises and and she's an amazing kind of like sketch writer and comedic writer
1: yeah, that's like her um, bag. Like she teaches, like she still teaches these pre- premise creating yes. courses and that kind yeah.
3: of. Yeah, and she's great at it. I'll tell everybody, to take it. I don't care if I'm in. I I'm <laughs> like I'm, I'm a bad dog, but I was like, yo, take her class.
1: <laughs> I think that's such a good way of looking at it, though, right? Like a student's gonna be or an improviser is gonna be best if they take in some courses from all over, right? Like take a class at second. Yeah, School, also bad dog, but also so cap. You know,
3: that's the thing is that like. Comedy institutions have different philosophies. And I think for you to be a well-rounded comedian, especially in a place like Toronto, mm-hmm. Toronto much functions like L.A. and New York, it's an industry city. So you want to be well-rounded. You want to kind of like uh, cover all corners for yourself. Go to all the schools. hmm well, there are some schools you shouldn't
1: go to. No. But. Oh, <laughs> we don't need to talk about it. We don't uh. need to talk about it. <laughs> that's, oh man, it's so, that's uh, great. And so what did you, what did you sort of discover about yourself, about your, about your comedy when you're going through Second City? Was, were you, like, was there anything, because you, I want to say you have one of the s- strongest voices in, in comedy. Like you, it's almost like, you know what you're there to do you know right um
3: thank you thank you for that that took a while (laughs) that took a long time and it took a lot of like to be really honest um it took a lot of introspection like self-awareness and it also took not taking things personally when you're given a constructive note so there was a long time where I wasn't getting into things I wasn't like uh you know, like, I I just, I think that's the, that's the term. I wasn't getting into things. I wasn't getting a lot of stage time. Like,
1: okay. And, yeah. Like, like troops and festivals and things? Yeah. Okay.
3: And, um, I, yo, I didn't even know about festivals. <laughs> Never mind yeah. that. Oh, but my. it was more that like, I couldn't, you know, like if, if people were like, oh, you want to join my troop? I for sure was not like one of the first, it felt like dodgeball all over again. Oh, no. But, <laughs> but, um, but the thing I had to ask myself, and I think that's only because I came to this, I came to the improv world, like, in my 30s, right? Mm-hmm. So I think I started when I was, like, third, no, like, 28-ish. So when I was, like, going through it, I was, like, in my early 30s. And it's a little bit different than going through it in your mid to late 20s. <laughs> yeah. It is different. And so I, I didn't want to... Um, And and this is something that I think a lot of BIPOC people go through is you try not to be like, this is about race. You try to be like, what is this about so that you can get better? Sometimes it's about both. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Sometimes it is about both um, because um, opportunities and chances, and by chances, I mean to make mistakes, fail, and just be better, were given to like non-Black counterparts, sorry, non-BIPOC counterparts a lot easier than it was to us um I would say so for sure there's an element of that but I try to and I think a lot of us try to do that is you try to not make it about race so that it's not super depressing and you're just like (laughs) yeah what can I do to get through the door period how am I going to get around this you're just not blank enough how am I going to get around this (laughs) and um and And i think like um i just kept training i i straight up just trained like an athlete and i think it was when um and i was told different things so i started to be able to piece it together okay i was told uh by a very renowned teacher your voice is in your honesty Mm
2: -hmm. and i
3: was like oh okay so then i was like what does that mean so then Mm -hmm. it took me years And then I kept hearing that from different instructors in different classes. Um, You know, your comedy is is raw, your comedy is truthful. And I was like, okay, okay, but what what does that look like, though? (laughs) What
1: do you want me to do about that? Yeah, what am I supposed to do? Just (laughs) never act? I don't know.
0: What what are you all, what's everyone else doing? Just faking? Like, come on. I
3: mean, in a Um, a way. I think I I was so, like, I understood. But at the same time, I was confused because you can be giving a note and yes, it's a truthful note and it's a constructive note, but you're like, but what do I do with this note? And, um, I would say it was when we formed Coco and Daphne and I started training with Daphne because, uh, we the always
1: podcast, Nick friend of the podcast Daphne. for
3: sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we say this, we trained Coco and Daphne like athletes. Mm-hmm. And so we got a coach. Yeah, we Matt, trained up until it like, as a coach? it was, was Matt Folliet. Our, our our coach was Matt Foliate. um, And we trained, I think we trained up until like maybe two years ago when we just got individually too busy to be able to merge <laughs> our schedules and, and train. <laughs> but yeah, we had, we just constantly, and at first, like the first six months we trained with no performing.
0: What does that training look like? Like uh, I've got a Rocky montage going through my head now. But what is that for improv? Is that like Lion Face, Duck Face, Lion Face? Uh,
1: And as a duo too, I think it's different as a duo than it is as a troupe. So just you and Daphne. Yeah. What are What are these? What are these?
3: Yeah. So we did push Uh, push (laughs) Okay, I'm kidding. No. Um. We met for the first six months. We met. If I I think it was every week or bi-weekly um with Matt nice and to be like okay because c- at that point we were already like performers we, mm-hmm. we performed in long form truths we've done shows but we wanted to be like we want to be great together so what yes. does that look like and so it was like you got to ask Matt how he trained us. That's not even <laughs> my, not even, he's like, listen, 10 reps of word association. I don't know. <laughs> but it, no it like was it entry. was very much, I will say this. I will say one of the things I remember is that he kept pivoting every time we got used to something. Basically mm. every time we plateaued, he would pivot. That's a great and coach. so we trained in a lot of areas. Um, one exercise that I love that we did was we had to do, we did like basically a montage, but every scene had to be different. Ooh. There was no repetition. So if we did a monologue, we couldn't do one again.
1: Oh, so like, so even the content kind of thing or just the style of the scene? The style of the scene. Cool. Okay, great. Oh, man, that's yeah. great. And especially just like two people. Cause you think I'm yeah. pretty limited to what I can do as a montage. No, we were not, we played everything. We, could. <laughs> we
3: go, we were playing ghost oh, characters. We <laughs> paid, we did everything. Um, yeah. So, so it was, it was a lot of like training and, and we saw it like as almost like a sport. Yeah. Even though if you talk to Daphne, both her and I are not sporty people <laughs> at all. But this is our sport. This but this is, is it, our yeah. sport, and and we very much saw it like that, and we we trained hard. Yeah, I think that's, that's nuts.
0: Because of... to me, that sounds like it, it's like playtime as um as training. So would it be like an hour together, or two hours, or like how does it? We work? We did two
3: hours. That's
1: great. Yeah, we just two like hours. solid
0: improv kind of games and. Yep. i give you an
1: idea. Nick has a son right now who is like a really great baseball player, so he's got to go to all his son's like. Coaching and, and like practices and stuff. So I could see him trying to like compare Cooper. So this is what it looks practice.
3: like. Yeah. So so I can I can do the, the parallels for you, right? So when you meet as an improv troupe and Bree, you know this because you've done it. The first part is warm-up. So like stretching and stuff like that. So you're stretching your mind out of um like your regular banter, daytime banter, into mm-hmm. trying to create, right? Mm-hmm. So what does that look like? Uh, one of the games that we play, not just me and Daphne, but universally as as, uh, improvisers is word associations. It's basically how to loop back into thematically. So Mm. if you give words, how do you kind of like connect the dots all the way back to the original word? And there's different ways of playing that to stretch your mind. So you do that. Um, Then you kind of like stretch your mind um creatively so if you want to paint a scene what can it look like um so that all your scenes are not just two people talking Uh, with chairs which
1: happens a lot
3: (laughs) yeah that happens a lot that happens a lot and then you go into like doing very focused exercises so if you were doing um like a um like a baseball thing (laughs) <laughs> if that day your your coach wants to focus on batting, right? So in improv, it would be like that day your your coach wants to focus on monologues. So then okay. you're given a series of exercises to find different ways to exercise this muscle of yours in the same way that you would. And then yep. the last would be you play an actual game, right? So that you can put what you learned into practice. So same thing we mm-hmm. then play actual scenes, montages, and input monologuing and what that would look like if we were to do a 20-minute set. Oh,
0: man. And you do this all in like baggy, gray jogging pants and slippers. <laughs> Uh
3: I'm a little bit more stylish than that. So. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, different wardrobe than your than your uh, son, Nick. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, no, I'm all under
0: armor. I'm like, <laughs> I can't wear that. There'd be odors is just not great
3: (laughs) i I will say for me uh i tried to train in what i similar to something i would wear on stage so i have a uniform on stage that's smart um yeah yeah i have like a work i see it like a work uniform so i tend to either wear tights with dresses or like um like a shirt with leggings um Mm. and so if you're wearing uh a dress for example then how then i have to practice that how do i do scenes without my dress
1: going up you know whatever right that's so smart i never thought about like rehearsing and what you're gonna wear on stage just because like then you know like this is this is how it's gonna work when you're on stage that being said i have always had this sort of philosophy of like stretchy pants or stretchy like like you say leggings just so that i have the ability to move around like crazy on stage yeah Yeah. the only thing that's kind of the only wardrobe note I've ever enforced upon myself. Uh, I love it. Okay. So you were doing these intense. So how long after you started training together and playing together, did you start to be asked? Cause you do get asked to do all kinds of shows and festivals and teach and all kinds of stuff now. Yeah. Uh, uh,
3: probably three years.
1: Okay.
3: Three years. Three years. Yeah. It's not that we were, we were asked to do stuff, but to like, get paid get to do festivals and stuff i would say three or four years that's when we started getting asked. so we did like the festival circuit i think maybe twice okay and uh and we did it like to showcase ourselves Mm -hmm. so we paid for everything at the time we both had um kind of like full-time jobs so we were still able to pay for that right what were you doing as a full-time job before well i was a tutor that's what i did perfect that's why i can explain things in detail so concisely yes (laughs) that's why i was like oh you need me to explain something so that you can understand i can do that no problem (laughs) i have that ability yeah yeah i was a tutor i was a tutor for 17 years wow oh wow all
0: right that's that's a lot of communication (laughs) skills right there
3: yeah yeah I wasn't great at it at the beginning. (laughs) No, no, I was not. I became better as I understood, and also um, the understanding of the function of teaching changed while I was teaching.
2: Mm -hmm. Oh, okay.
3: Yeah,
1: that That sounds interesting.
3: Well, I think it very much went from the teacher knows all, and if you don't learn, you're the one not absorbing, to this was a, a shift. Like I shifted with that to everybody has their own learning style and we, the teacher are the ones who have to adapt to the student, not the other Ooh, way around.
1: That's great. That's so, I, I remember taking university classes where we were talking about that, but it was, but it was kind of before anything, I think before anything was actually done about it. Cause we were still like, oh yeah, the standard way of teaching is like person in front of class gives you information. You regurgitate it back. Yeah. Uh, but it was never like, let's have, how about, or, or even just like how ha- how about we include each of the students like experiences as well yeah, so that we can sort of get a sense of where everybody's coming from too. Yeah. And, And I
3: think also the assumption that not paying attention is necessarily like trying to be rude. Right. And so as someone who's taught for a long time, if someone's not paying attention, I express how it makes me feel first. I'm just like, Hey, When you're not paying attention, this is how it makes me feel. Uh, I feel like you're disrespecting me. And then the person might correct me and be like, oh, actually, uh, it's not that I need to pee or it's not that (laughs) I'm thinking about what happened last night. Like, you know what I mean? So it's it's more like a, I want you to understand where I'm coming from. Now help me understand where you're coming from.
1: And then we can kind of like figure it out. it just sounds like good communication skills (laughs) i remember i got in trouble so hard once because i was doodling in class but i was still listening like some people i think have the ability to do two things at once and i just remember yeah
3: i i i doodle like Mm -hmm. you know what i mean i also need to do two things at once but you see because i'm like of a certain age i tell people that that's what i'm doing i'm like hey i am listening but i need to doodle because Like I can't. And they're like, no problem. So (laughs) I just just
1: release this nervous energy somehow. Yeah.
3: Like (laughs) I used to attend meetings and just bring a coloring book.
1: Oh, wow. But probably helps like process information, but you're also doing something kind of. It really
3: does. Like I just cannot do. uh, And I wasn't like this as a kid. That's the weird thing. I wasn't like this as a kid. I became like this. I would say in the last ten years,
1: we and the I internet, just, I blame phones. Yeah, for sure. Yeah,
0: yeah, because you're just scrolling through like social and yeah. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So I, I blame phones. Definitely shifted our attention span. Yeah, for sure yeah uh, right. <laughs> okay so, uh, is there a festival or something that you were the most like this was the best time i've ever had as an improviser with daphne or just on my own or whatever
3: i you know what's so funny i can answer that for both me and daphne it was for sure black and funny festival of minneapolis 2018.
1: cool that's yeah. awesome okay so let's talk a little bit about that festival um and about uh okay why first of all why it was such a great time for you but how also you've brought that festival to Toronto. I did, as I well. brought it. To Toronto.
3: Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Funny enough, I brought it to Toronto before I even had attended it. <laughs> <laughs> you were just like, great idea. We're doing it here. <laughs> yeah. Um Yeah, so Black and Funny Festival came uh came out of Minneapolis. Sorry. It's called the Black and Funny Improv Festival in Minneapolis. Okay. And that festival was meant to uh meant to kind of showcase and highlight black improvisers in Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. Um And and they flew in people because, you know, uh, (laughs) because there's not enough and um, to just to just be like, hey, we're here, we're doing this thing. You can join us. This is a safe space for you. So uh, it's to showcase and demonstrate to black folks that we are an improv. And uh, when we went, it was it felt like a family reunion because we had seen different troops, different black troops, or yeah different black troops in different cities through the years but never in one
1: oh, now it's just location like, yeah right yeah. like it
3: was just like you know we'll see one troop here we'll see one troop here and kind of like go like that but this was the place where we all <laughs> came together we're like whoa mine explosion oh, man. and i remember coming back from the festival and telling like my white improviser friends is this what it feels like?
1: Like all three? <laughs> this is just what it is. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, this is what it feels like for you guys to go to Improv Festivals? What? It's no
3: wonder you guys are having such a great time.
1: <laughs> oh
3: man. <laughs> we would go to festivals and have a great time, but because we position it as work for ourselves, we were like, this is work. We are mm. working, right? And so if we had a big show, you wouldn't find us partying, right? We'd be like, yeah, we got to go home and, (laughs) and banter so that we can connect so that tomorrow you can see that magic on stage. Bye. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so we were, we, our minds were blown because we were like, this is, this is what if, oh my God, what a difference for you for, yeah, that sounds so. It was so different. It was so different because everything at every turn, um, like I I'm uh, of course like there is no monolithic black experience but in a way there is kind of thing so as black folks in improv we were like Remember that time you were the only one on the team and only all of us
1: understood? It? Yeah. Uh I mean I suppose like okay, the only comparison I could make is like I've been the only woman on a show. Woman. Yeah. But but I uh, even to that I know it's not not anywhere near the same experience. Right. So
3: but I think we can still parallel. So imagine being the only woman on a show and you talk about um you know, your ovaries for yeah. example, right? And
1: uh, everybody and, else is like what, what do I care what, yeah. what are you talking about
3: <laughs> <Can't relate. laughs>
1: I don't have those yeah <laughs> oh man I just think that must have felt like such a like such a magical experience and I don't want to say magical but because it was
3: though it yeah. really was yeah it really was a magical experience and um and we've had since like in other cities uh when we went to Portland a couple years ago um Leon Anderson, I think his last name was, uh, had had us all gather and have, like, a gathering. And that was really fun. So that wasn't a Black and Funny Festival. That was just a festival. And he created space. Yeah, he created space for all the Black improvisers to hang out together and get to know each other. And that was really amazing as well. So it's kind of like, it kind of feels like being part of, like, a club or, like, a sorority or... (laughs) a fraternity of some sort where oh every city we go to we can hang out with black improvisers um and improv is a a unique experience like it's very Thelma and Louise you feel like you get on stage and you're about to jump off a cliff you're like what are we doing I don't know
1: say (laughs) literally in the case where that one time you fell off the stage oh man oh my god you You were there I was there for that
3: yes I I fell off the stage and got a concussion oh no like oh my her the you're taking the sports
0: <laughs> analogy way too close yeah,
3: I know I've also <laughs> broken my foot oh my God. yeah that was 2000 so someone actually asked us recently what are the injuries that you've had on stage so I've had a concussion I've gotten a concussion <laughs> Daphne has um like twisted her ankle right. uh, mm. which was it was really bad um and then we were in Chicago And I've broken my foot. Oh Oh my gosh. That's that's hardcore.
1: That's dedication
3: to the craft right there. (laughs)
1: Listen,
3: don't, don't, you're not going to put undedicated improviser beside my name. (laughs) I've got the scars to prove it. I really do though. Uh, And it's so funny because when I broke my foot. So when we were talking about training with Matt, one of the things that I was going to say is like, uh, when you train, like, you know, kind of like that you get to know you get to find out little things that you wouldn't find out like maybe through you would only find out through experience but we find out through Matt mm. so for example one time I was so tired I wanted to do um, my set barefoot and Matt was like nope put your shoes on I don't want you break break your foot and I was like what <laughs> okay. well, that's not gonna happen <laughs> that's not gonna, what are you talking about literally like five years later cut to yeah me wearing
0: yeah everyone breaks a foot in improv it's well known
3: what were you
1: wearing were you i was wearing
3: flat shoes oh and that's it eh geez yeah so i will never and i was wearing flat shoes when i got my concussion and guess what both those pairs of shoes went into the garbage the very next day that's traitors like that. yeah exactly <laughs> to me. i was like how dare you betray my entire body you're going you're you have one
0: job <laughs> shoe. one job
1: <laughs>
3: support
1: me that's all i ask oh man i read somewhere that was like if you want if you feel like you're in a slump uh, I was just reading Will Hines' book recently. If you feel like you're in an improv slump, get yourself like a fresh new pair of shoes and wear, <laughs> wear them on stage and it'll like change the game. He's like, I don't know how it oh, works. Wow. I don't know how it works, but it does. <laughs> I'm
3: like, what? I, I
1: usually uh,
3: get a new makeup thing. There you go. That's what I do. Yeah, yeah. so, I, so as, I get it. I get it. As long
1: as it's something new that you're bringing into the routine. Yeah. things up a Yeah. It's uh, like a superhero costume. <laughs> yeah, oh, I like that. I like that. Okay, so uh, you're in Chicago, you're in Portland, you're in Minneapolis, and now you're like, let's bring this festival of awesomeness to Toronto, but not just for improvisers, for stand-up and, and sketch too?
3: Yes, so I I brought Black and Funny to Toronto, uh, honestly, before I went to the festival in Minneapolis. Um, I just, it was something that I had always had in the back of my mind um, to do and all black showcase and to also do an all Asian showcase. So that's something that I'm working on this year mm. uh, for those who can't see me. Well, actually, even if you saw me, you would know I'm I'm my mother is Asian. So <laughs> yeah, you wrote a- yeah. in case anybody's like, why is she doing the a- uh, Asian <laughs> and funny festival? Um, So I asked um, John and I'll say whether or not I can do it. And they were like, absolutely. So the first time I did it, I did one night. Okay. Um, and it was three shows in one night and I did a stand-up show and all a uh, woman show and then uh improv show. The goal was, and the goal ha- always has been improv, okay. but improv is so, I don't want to say foreign, like, but it's also not something that is well known in the black community. Um, it, I, I had to, I have to build up to them being like, what is it that we're watching? And a lot of times, like, Daphne and I will do improv and people really think we're doing sketch. Yeah. Yeah. And we have to be like
1: natural together. We are
3: making this up. You will never see this again. Like even, even we give that disclaimer. They're like, yo, we loved your skits afterwards. Oh Lord. Like they were not skits. Yeah. We're like, first of all, not skits. But yeah. So, so in order to work, Work our way up to improv. I included stand up. That's yeah. That's um, yeah, so we had uh, in the I think in the first show, the first show was uh, a stand up lineup and ended with improv. Okay, the all women showcase was the same, it was a stand up lineup, ended with Coco and Daphne, and then there was a just one hour Armando. Lovely.
1: Um,
3: so and then this year like 2021 was the first year that a couple of things it was a completely all black lineup mm-hmm. because previously I've had to use and and I have like I just want to be really clear that like much love to the troops I have zero problems with that um because I did have to use sketch troops that that were not all black right because there were no all black sketch troops yeah and and does that mean that i have to leave out those sketch comedy artists like comedians i i didn't feel that was fair um yeah in stand-up i tried my best to be <laughs> all black lineup uh i failed once but that's that's fine hmm. um yeah it's it's a whole thing there were times where i had to ask people are you black <laughs> And they were like. Brie does that no. all the time.
1: I <laughs> 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 walk up to random people all the time. Excuse me. <laughs> excuse me. Um, excuse Doesn't me, Megan Markle. Are you, yeah. Are you black? Oh. Are <laughs> you <laughs> Oh, man. She's in the uh, news
3: again.
1: All right. Well, then, she
3: she is white passing. That's the reason why I, I brought uh, her up. She's yes. white passing. So there's a lot of people who don't know that she's black. Or Mariah Carey. They think she's white. And I'm like, uh, she's black. Uh, um, <laughs> but anyways. Um, yeah. Uh, um yeah, so this was the first year that we had all black sketch ensemble in and all black sketch right. improv. And it was the first year that we had zero stand-ups. Yay! Yeah. Mm. <laughs> that, so that's that and and there is, first of all, all all the love to the stand-up community, the black stand-up, the black comedian stand-up community. But it was just like, um, the goal was always improv and sketch
0: yeah you're you're building that up yeah for sure
3: yeah so 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 this was the first year so it was was, and it was online so it was it was quite a thing and also there are a lot of stand-up showcases during black history Month. so Uh, (laughs) yeah
1: that's a a good point that's so great And so uh how how was it attended like did a lot of people show up online because i know online is
3: yeah it was well one of the cool things was so the all uh the sketch ensemble was the first was our debut was the untitled black sketch project so it was our debut table read and so i think a lot of people were really excited for that uh because we had been working on it since june Mm
1: -hmm. and
3: so people came were like oh my god um this is great because it it just wasn't (laughs) right so now it is and we're like you know and it was that was really really fun and also We've been, it was funny because I was go I was doing the table read and in my head I was like this is not a table we, read we are straight up performing these sketches <laughs> oh, God. we lied to ourselves <laughs> i'm like i felt <laughs> nervous looking like I was reading when in fact <laughs> we were all supposed to be reading but we were so into our sketches that it looked like we weren't I was like should i should my eyes shift it was
1: <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but that's, I don't know. That's, I think that's great. You were into it, you know? <laughs> yeah, it
3: was, it was a lot of fun. And then our, and then our improv was, uh, we had people from, uh, Minneapolis and Baltimore and Vancouver join us. And that was really fun to be able to do that online. So it was, it was like a success in my opinion.
1: That's awesome. I love it. Uh, And so Nick might not know that and some of our listeners might not know but uh, Coco is basically the reason Bad Dog has the online presence it does um, because because of the pandemic right we had excellent places had to shift really quickly and I think I think Bad Dog certainly more than the other comedy institutions in Toronto, including Second City, which I work for, <laughs> you know, ha- I feel like you right away jumped on the opportunity to bring your stuff online, uh, whereas a lot of these other places are, are still lagging behind in that department. Uh, so you have a regular lineup of programming for bad dog shows, and then and you keep it updated, you keep it fresh. Like, how did that how did that come about how are you like yes this has to happen and this is what i'm gonna do this is how it's gonna work (laughs) well um it all
3: started with me being pissed off (laughs) (laughs) um because when i started when when the pandy started The (laughs) the pandy when the pandy started on march 15th uh we all we all agree it was march 15th right
0: uh, uh, it was in that ballpark yeah i just remember st patrick's day getting nuked for us yeah
3: yeah so so it was like um at first we thought yo we'd be back in a month don't like, worry about it <laughs> i i didn't think so but at the same time you know when everybody's so optimistic you don't want to be like are you watching the news in china guys <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I mean, you know, if you look okay. at the
0: spread in 1918, clearly comedy is not going to. <laughs> right, I
3: was like, "Are you guys watching the news?" Um, <laughs> so, um, and you don't want to like you know be like a Debbie Downer kind of thing. So we, um, I I would I would say that with online classes, it was Vance. Okay. Uh, Vance is our former uh, education director. Vance was like, "We need to go online," and I was like, "Absolutely." Um, let's let's get the team and let's let's think it through and whatever the reason why I say that it all started with me being pissed off even prior to Vance coming to me was what pissed me off is I was watching people go online mm-hmm. and I, I I said I remember saying to Alia our former inclusion director I said what the fuck <laughs> I thought we couldn't I thought we couldn't do this online
1: right that right was- and the
3: and the reason why that pisses me off is because We told people who couldn't access theaters that they couldn't come and we're working on it because but we can't do online because it's not just it's just not as great online. Right. And to an extent, like I get it, but at the same time, we pivoted so quickly because we couldn't go.
1: Yeah.
3: Like you know what I mean? Because we couldn't access theaters. And so
1: that's huge. That's a good. Point.
3: Yeah, and that pissed me off like to the core. I would yo, I vented about that for a good week.
0: That that effect happened all across business because I I know for like my wife and I like I've had work from home options before, but you know you always get the bosses who are like, no, nah, we're not going to do that. You're not going to work. You're yeah. you know you guys are inherently lazy. But and then everything switches like this is our only option, and they're going to struggle to get people going back to offices for
3: sure. But the thing is, it was never necessary. And and you think about people who have kids, yeah. like mm-hmm. people who give birth to kids and have to rush back. You could have let them work from home while the kid's napping this whole time. Yeah. Yep, yep. So So we've been doing things that have been keeping people out of systems and people who are already vulnerable yep. out of systems and telling them that, yo, it just can't be done. And then now that all of us who's like, and I include myself in that because I am able-bodied, I can go upstairs and stuff like that,
2: mm-hmm.
3: you know, and I, don't, and I don't have children. So I can work all, all damn day if I need to. Um, but like, you're telling, like, you know, we were all like, yo, it can't be done, you know, whatever. And then now as soon as we can't do it, yo, we got to go, we got to go online, everybody. So it it really, really made me really fucking mad, man. And I was talking to Alia and I was just, and, you know, we were just like bantering about it and I was just so pissed. And then I was like, okay, you know, so I was like, okay, we're going to go online as well, (laughs) but I need us um, to do this with the intention and the care that it will last. Yeah. Because we can't, we can't be being like, oh, we're just going online because we cannot be in theaters right now. But guess what? As soon as we're in theaters, peace out, everybody. Yeah. It just, I just felt like it was, like I can't speak for anybody else. I just know that's what went through my head. Mm-hmm. And so when we pivoted online, we did it with the intention of it being entertainment, not just for us to get like our kind of like we need to be on stage kind of jitters out of our bodies which is a very real thing for, yeah, yeah, for sure. yeah for everybody who performs you're like yo I missed the stage even though we perform online of course we still miss the stage but um yeah but at the same time I was just like let's do it let's do it to the best of our abilities that we can right now and when we did that we also took into consideration like you know there were performers who were like I just don't want to be online no problem no problem we respect that when you're ready come through if you're never ready we still love you you know so there were different things that we that we took into consideration and then we just like did it like you know what I mean and I and I say I'm so grateful to uh Connor Lowe and Sean Murray um for they've got a great tech yeah they're the well, we call them live stream technicians Ooh, now.
1: <laughs>
3: yeah. Uh, Connor Lowe is the technical director of the Bad Dog Comedy Theater. And so they, I was like, yo, we need to learn every, by we, I, I meant them. I like them. <laughs> y'all everything about YouTube and streaming and whatever it is so that we can do this. And they did it. That's great. They did it. So I, 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 I know that I, I'm like, you know, the one who gets the credit and stuff, but I share it with them because yo, I know nothing about <laughs> what they do. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> So and they're, and they're so amazing and they make shows look so professional. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And
1: sound and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so fast forward, let's say into a time where we are able to gather again, is the bad dog's intention to continue having online shows like this or is the idea made, or is it, or, or both, right? Go back live into a space as well as uh, these online offerings or what does that look like? Or are we even at the stage of looking at that now? Or you- um,
3: I am starting to think about that. And I do have to think about that because, um, so my hope, <laughs> my hope is that we do both um so okay let me be clear we are doing uh online like that will continue going so that's not going to be cut off so let me be clear about that my only reason for being like oh my hope is we do both is what I have to figure out is are we doing just online shows for online just live shows for live or are we merging the two so that they're available in person and online
1: that's Um, what I'm trying to figure out so excuse
3: me and yeah so so just trying to to, figure yeah and if so yeah at
1: that I, ex, ideally accessible for yeah uh, for and not audience. only
3: accessible but I think one of the things that uh I I care about um because I, I I certainly don't want to accuse anybody else of not caring just because they don't see it the way that I see it so you know what I mean um y'all do you I'll, I'll do me <laughs> <laughs> like a good um, philosophy. <laughs> yeah but uh the way that I see it is that if we were to do in-person shows and want to broadcast them, we have to do that with the intention of not just, like, we'll basically maybe need to be multicam or something like that in order for it to be like, like, I I just think that to make things intentionally entertaining and look good is Mm -hmm. a form of care for the people who are watching it. Absolutely. Yeah,
1: Yeah, and and it's for sure not, the hugest priority or at least it certainly wasn't before the pandemic. It was just like, okay, I got to pay my, my fees to comedy bar, go up and put on whatever show. It was regardless. Like I've been to so many shows at comedy bar where it's like, Oh, all the comedians just put a bunch of stairs chairs on stage. And the audience is like, what's happening. Right. And that's it. It's just chairs, right. <laughs> you just it's the audience. Often I guess the spaces the spaces were to work on, uh developing their craft and and experiencing things or experimenting with things but uh but yeah i think there's definitely something huge to be said about once you get to a place where you are putting on a quality product a quality show how do we best broadcast that out to not just our audiences in person but also now online so that's yeah i i don't think that like um
3: I don't think that that's necessarily like financial. Like, of course, there are there's money involved in how to build it. I think it's just like, for example, like we're talking about comedy bar and the chairs and stuff like that. Like, uh, like you can broadcast out of comedy bar, yeah. any of those stages, and it will look amazing. So I'm I'm not even gonna try to hate on that. Like, comedy okay. bar lighting
1: is pretty good. And like- I was just hating on the chair thing. That's all. That's what I'm hating. Right. <laughs> trying to put I'm trying to write smart words and you guys are just throwing a bunch of chairs on stage right (laughs) right right. oh you're talking about a specific kind of comedy okay okay Brie I see you sorry thank you for letting Uh, me vent uh
3: yeah no problem uh I was I was just gonna say that um at the end of the day it's the it's the product like it's Mm -hmm. like you know what I mean like I'm okay if we film out of a black box theater if that is what um like has the web contrasting that like the accessibility contrasting that we need so that people can see it properly. Like, you know, yeah. it's just different things that you have to put into consideration. So yeah. to me, it's just about like, how do you make it the best quality that you can mm-hmm. with care? And I think that's the difference is with care and intention. Cause if you're just like, whatever, this is the best that we can do. That's one thing. But if you're like, is this the best that we can do so that the, the person viewing it feels like we are taking care of them.
1: Yeah. What a nice, I think that's such a nice way to look at it. Like if you're well, creating this wonderful content. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Nick.
0: Oh, uh, no, it's it's just putting, oh, it's putting your customer first. <laughs> like it's yes. the people watching your thing. You're. It's great that you want to perform and be a special little star and everything. But at the end of the day, who cares unless people want to watch that thing that you're doing?
3: Yeah. And, and I like, and the thing is that only then can you start pivoting um, safe spaces and stuff like that and putting those things into, into consideration. Because if your audience doesn't feel taken care of and they're alt right, and you're like, and by the way, we are now going to this safe space, they're gonna be like, fuck oh, you. I don't yeah. care about your chairs. <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> yeah, that's not gonna. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, yep. That's a, it is a fair point.
0: Well, I was just going through, uh, like, I'm, you know, just doing my thing of random note taking throughout the interview. And like a couple of things that popped for me is that, that room for failure as a, a BIPOC performer. And that hit a chord with me because I just finished listening to uh, Dave Chang's podcast. He's a uh, Korean chef, but he, he does like a creative podcast as well. And he was talking to a performer who's saying like how like few Asian movies there are. And like the responsibility of like you gotta make it good otherwise you're not gonna get your chance again. Yeah. and it's like yeah like how do you how do you have room to create and like with that fear that your failure will like kick your entire race off the stage you know it's <gasps> nuts yeah
3: it's it's a whole lot of fucking pressure. Yeah. I think um, the thing is that we have to give ourselves grace to make mistakes. And keep it going. So even if someone tells me that I make a mistake, and that means that my entire race can no longer be part, or the categories that I represent cannot be part of something, I just keep it moving. Yeah, keep it moving. I think for people who are still in the industry, you know, uh, because a lot of people leave, mm-hmm. and I don't blame just them. the pressure. It's too much, right? Yeah. it's too much pressure, and. And in the sense of comedy, where laughter is your feedback, mm-hmm. if you're continuously doing jokes that speak to you and no one's laughing, how will you ever develop your funny? Yeah.
0: You guys are all wrong. This is gold.
3: Oh, <laughs> right? But, uh, but the thing is that, like, I, I think if you're in a room that doesn't look like you and your humor is like a cultural part of your cultural kind of uh, background, it's hard to feel like you are funny in any way, shape, or form. Now, mm. what I will say is, as someone who's had to pivot, I just, I just pivoted. I was like, okay, this is not the time for me to be all of these identities. I'm just going to focus on this. What that has made me and Daphne, and I often talk about this is it's actually made me a more
1: versatile comedian.
0: Mm, more, Yeah, you got more stuff to do, to play with. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Okay. Okay. So I was reading something, and maybe Coco, you read it. Maybe you can. I don't know if you read it or not. I don't know why. Anyway, but it was this idea that, and jumping on what Nick said, is this idea that whenever, um, I think when I, whenever like a, a a show or something is dedicated to Black performers, it always has to be like. Black performers like bringing up their trauma or their collective trauma. Or there's no like, how come you can have a billion Judd Apatow movies of a bunch of white people just being dumbasses, but when it's when it comes down to a a, a black a movie high, you know, highlighting black people, it always has to be like, oh, the the trauma and the and the our unique difficulties, and it's like, how come we can't just fuck around too? You know, like we do. Yeah, because because <laughs> one thing I don't understand is why
3: people don't see our just mere presence as the statement i'm a black person with seven other white performers that's the statement i don't need to (laughs) also talk about my trauma like you know what i mean like that's the statement my jokes don't all have to be quote unquote from the like my perspective is the black perspective period i don't need to be like Uh, Like, for example, if I'm like, hey, how are you? I don't need to say that in a quote-unquote Black way. Hi, how are you? It's still like, you're, what I-
2: Oh God, what does that mean? (laughs) I
3: I don't understand. Oh man. But But, but people really do expect that. Like, if you are uh, a Black performer in any kind of like, any kind of like audition room and stuff like that, they're like, "Mm." now can you say that from- See, you already, you
1: already know, right? You already know. It's always like you just bring every, like it's just like, oh, it always has to come from like the black experience or the black perspective. It's like, can they not just exist? Can I just perform? But that's the thing that
3: that that sentence is wrong because me speaking is already the black voice I am a black person when I speak the things that come out of my mouth are the perspective of a black person just because it doesn't match (laughs) what you think should be a black perspective does not mean that it is not a black perspective because what that says to me is that the other person has an expectation of what they think I should sound like so if I'm going hey what's going on they want to hear yo what's up what's (laughs) up y'all <laughs> like, and I'm just like, but I don't always talk like that. Is that okay? I don't <laughs> like, think that's I, that's not my interpretation of this character, <laughs> <laughs> you know. I'm, I'm yeah. like, I'm playing a nurse. Is it okay that I don't? <laughs> <laughs> what's up, <laughs> oh, bitches? Put what's up? Bitches? Give me <laughs> that needle. Yo, you want an IV drip? <laughs> <laughs> oh
1: no, oh no. Um, uh, okay, well, I mean, I think this might. Unless Nick unless you have another question about this because I think it's a good I mean maybe or maybe I'm just being the same person I'm talking about the same asshole that I keep referring to but I think the the podcast is called the constant struggle uh what what are some of the what are some of the struggles that you've had to face as a i mean as coco i don't want to say as, as a coco. black performer as a black and asian performer i mean as coco what are some of those
0: yeah. you well three before sorry before you answer coco our show being called the the constant struggle i once had uh went to go and record a show with brie at her condo and the reception lady there was a person, she was Black, and she asked me what the name of our show was, and I had to straight up say to her, um, it's called The Constant, the Constant Struggle. struggle. <laughs> we
3: are we He's looking at you like, what do you know about exactly.
0: that? <laughs> and I just like politely smiled and walked away.
3: <laughs> so <the> cap. <laughs>
0: Good day, madam. <laughs> Have you seen my monocle about? <laughs> uh
3: uh, of, some you. of the things yeah. I struggle with, I struggle with not overworking.
2: Mm.
3: Man. Uh, I'm a bit of a workaholic. I think it's a combination of, um, just the, the want to always like be doing stuff, but also the idea that if I stop even for a second, it means, you know, like I'm giving up or I'm failing or something mm-hmm. like that. So The struggle of overworking is like, it's very real.
1: So do you have to get somebody to like come in and intervene and send you on vacation or how does that, (laughs) how does
3: that look? Well, right now ain't nobody going on no vacation, (laughs) but but I did, I did have to do that. Like, I think uh, a couple of years ago I went on vacation and just didn't tell anybody. (laughs) Where'd you go? I went to Jamaica, I just just went and hit on a, on like a resort for a week. Uh, And I, and I think I ended up telling like maybe five people uh, (laughs) just for emergency purposes. (laughs) That's good. That's smart. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But I wasn't like on my phone or I wasn't um, like, I had to take social media off my phone and stuff like that. Yeah. So, so overworking and is one, I think. Um, feeling like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, I think when you are a person like me who just, um, always is trying to do what's best,
2: Mm. um,
3: like for us as a community, as we move forward, um, you do get a lot of pushback. You get a lot of pushback. Oh, okay. um, I get a lot of support too. So let me not try to act like no one, like, you know, there's a whole community standing with me. Who's like, we're with you. And that's really great. But for some reason, the pushback always feels louder. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it always makes me go, oh, is what I'm doing right or wrong? Mm, Cause yeah. what often happens is, um, and, and this is a struggle that I, like I'm being really honest here and Daphne knows about this because she's like one of my best friends is this is my struggle as a human being not necessarily it carries into being AD it carries into being a producer it carries anytime I'm in a position of power Mm -hmm. and the reason why is because I have a really really heavy guilty conscience in the sense that like I feel bad for the smallest thing even if it doesn't mean anything Mm -hmm. right um and i try my best to speak up for what's right and to do what's right um and to stand with people um that are often marginalized and oppressed um and when you push back um against the system people who represent the system for example um their feelings are hurt right Mm -hmm. and and there's 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 two things right there's they might represent a system but there's also the human being Mm -hmm. and me and my guilty conscience like oh my god are you okay wait a minute you're racist (laughs)
1: yeah so part of it is like yeah we they they might need that you know what i mean they might need that whatever it is that kicking the teeth or that you know like awakening or whatever but at the same time the guilt of feeling like oh no now they're mad yeah i struggle
3: (laughs) with this all the time with like the guilt of feeling like i'm being mean to someone when i'm not trying to because i think about the people that can potentially be hurt or have been hurt or are hurt mm-hmm. and i'm just like but well, what about these other people over yeah. like so like you know what i mean it's a constant oh, no. back That's and a, forth like it's
1: like, you're hurting because you're looking after other people. Cause you don't want them to hurt. It's like, you're bearing the right of the hurt. <laughs> oh. Yeah.
3: But then it's like, if, yeah, it's, it's just a thing. And I think that like people who are used to being, and I mean this socially, not like in workspaces, people who are used to being in positions of uh, privilege, mm-hmm. um, through our social structure so white people uh cis white people hetero white people right Uh, yeah like i think when often they're being challenged it feels like such an oppressive move and and it's not just me i see it like online i see like anytime you're like oh but what about this they don't hear you going what about this
1: i see it in my (laughs) mother-in-law
0: Yeah. Oh, you you take it personal. You're like, oh, you're doing this attack against me.
3: Yes. And that's really weird to me because I feel like because I'm a you know a black woman, um when I say something and people assign tone to what <laughs> I say or do. So I could be like, yo, this is concerning to me. What is happening with this? Ma'am, like, calm okay. down. <laughs> you said it all nick you said it all they don't hear that they hear yo this is concerning to me what are we doing here Mm -hmm. whoa 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 calm down meanwhile i'm being like i mean are we okay like why are we doing this and they're like yo are we it's like why am i being assigned this anger so i feel like there's especially with online and stuff i think a lot of people don't understand that They assign tone to racialized people and very specifically to Black women. So when we just raise a question, which is a valid question, we get assigned angry right away. And then you then get a feedback like, well, what I said, and I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa.
1: Take a breath. All I said
3: was, is it nice outside? Like,
1: oh, no. Yeah no it's uh,
3: yeah. yeah so i so i struggle with these things and this is just for like me as a human being and it it gets you know it seeps into like the work because you know if you're uh you know artistic and managing director and you're trying to protect people it seeps into the work when you're like you know it's this constant like oh but what if but I, i'm i'm starting to like and there's a funny enough there's a lot of like literature about it now like psychological oh right writings on psychol on the psychology of like boundaries and being too nice and a lot of that is the struggle of bipoc people um uh women people that are marginalized is you are afraid of being seen as hostile angry you are assigned those things automatically Mm -hmm. um and you're also afraid of being seen as those things. Um, and so you end up um, allowing things to happen in order to keep peace. Yeah.
1: Um, that's why I have to end every single one of my sentences with a happy face emoji when I'm like. That's right. Yeah. So that's exactly that's it, a, right?
0: That's part of like being in an abusive relationship too, right? Yes. But
1: I guess that's
3: it, right? It is an abusive
0: relationship. Yeah. It is an, an abusive, abusive, abusive relationship.
2: relationship. Yeah. Um, it, that's is, that's, that's
0: exactly it. Or, yeah. 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 And like, I totally get, um, guys, listen, I'm woke as fuck. So I get, all that. <laughs> uh, but no, we were talking about with my wife, she she was having to do her, uh, one of her anti-racist, um, like courses, I guess. And I, I've got mine coming up. Uh, and I spent a lot of time online and you could, you see, you see the bullshit of like bots Uh, right wingers, and they just, you know, completely disingenuous in their arguments and and, like interactions with other people. And then it muddies the water for just straight up normal white people who don't get exposed to this because we're living in our our white world. And it's like, how do you, uh, this is not on Cocoa at all. Like we got to address how to get Other crackers on board, Ray. That's what I'm saying.
1: I don't know how I feel about this at all, (laughs) (laughs) or about how you put that. I should say, but yeah, it's true. Like, white people have a response. We have a responsibility to call people out on on this kind of bullshit against. BIPOC people like if if we're the people maintaining this system of power which is fucking bullshit to begin with then yeah we do have a responsibility uh, is that yeah. what you're talking about Nick <laughs> yeah the
0: kind of I've, <laughs> making I was just about us
1: to... when we were talking to Coco
0: <laughs> but yeah, but I'm trying to do it. So like, you know, we give Coco a break. So she's allowed to do more and not feel bad
1: about it. I got stuff. you,
3: right. Yeah, but true. the thing is that it's not happening at the speed that we need it to. Mm. And it's not happening with the shifts that we are we are making socially. So one of the things that happened after last June was that a lot more. Now, I, I, I just want to be clear. I became AD before June. So me becoming AD wasn't an answer to, oh, there are no Black people in positions of power. So I just need to be clear about that. And for companies that did that, the question is, um, what are the systems that they have built around that person to protect them?
1: Because yep. there
3: mm-hmm. is no protection for being um, a leader who is BIPOC in a community of white people. Yeah. Because it's, you have to simultaneously protect the like protect the community but also be faced with um bullshit like yeah. and I and I'm not talk- I'm not talking about like let's be let's be real here like I'm not talking about little things like well why didn't I get blank I'm not talking about shit like that I'm talking about real you know like race like un- micro um mm-hmm microaggression and stuff like that. I'm talking about that kind of stuff. Not like, well, I wanted a blue poster and not a red one.
1: Like like,
3: I'm okay with, like, those are things that I have to deal with, but I'm talking about microaggression that happens on a day to day from the same like community that you're trying to serve lead and lead. Right. So, so it's quite challenging because at which point do you go yo this this line is racist you would yeah. never say that to somebody else at which point do you do this because then it's like oh am i pulling out the race card too much there's so much yeah. nuance and so the question is what are the systems that are being built to protect people like
1: me yeah because otherwise, and there, yeah, there yeah, is like none you're setting you're setting you up to fail otherwise right right because it's, it's not happening fast enough exactly. like like because then uh, they get
3: to be like, oh, look what happened when we did put a BIPOC person. That's in right. Yeah. That's right. Because like people are not moving and, and it's not to be like, you're not reading fast enough. How can you? If you're 40 and you've lived in this kind of like veil of ignorance for, for 40 years, you're doing 40 years of catching up.
1: And mm-hmm. I'm doing 40 years of being like, whoo. And it's yeah felt, Yeah. Also, wait. <laughs> yeah it's right felt, yeah also like yeah if they put you in the position of power or like you you are you've achieved this position of power certainly not shouldn't be your your responsibility to have to educate everybody you know along the way you know what i mean mm-hmm. to have right. to be like i'm up here i want to make my decisions i don't have to like and then you're you're getting pushed back and you have to be you know you don't want to have to if, don't do you not see why this is not Right, you know, do you not see? Hey, yeah, this is and then problem, and then you gotta the take problem? time out of like your regular day to be like your day to day duty. Okay, and-
3: kids, let's talk about racism. <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> when you write an email with this tone, no. it says blank like it's just you know like I said at the end of the day, it's just not happening fast enough, and yeah. and I still want to add, I just need to be real that there are a lot of people in the community who put who like um root for me give me love give me support privately in public so i'm not trying to be like yo this community is trash absolutely <laughs> but i love like i i wouldn't have stayed in the job longer than probably past june if it was trash like you know what i mean That's i really point. do love our community um like in every corner of it even the dark corners of it i think i think the issue is that um the micro, like the education of, and self-awareness within privilege is not happening fast enough for me to be able to just focus on doing my actual job. A lot of times I have to break away to prove that something's racist, to break down that something's racist, to talk about something being racist or misogynistic or homophobic. Like, it you know what i mean and i'm just like yo catch just up catch do your own work and and let's let's move on and i'm not gonna say like oh yo i'm gonna hate you for life first of all i don't hate anybody but well actually <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> you can hate on some people that's for sure okay <laughs>
3: yeah i i just i just want to be clear that like there's a lot of people in the community that are very supportive and loving and and then there are there's pushback yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting because it's I don't know that in history this kind of confrontation with uh the the power system has ever taken place. Like we've just had in oh shit, did I freeze? In human, oh, no. sorry, in human we were talking about colonialism and stuff like that. And like at no point has well, I don't know if where an empire's looked at itself and said, Oh, how could we be nicer to all the people we've, so we've you know taken over?
3: over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I I think this is what it feels like for me. Uh, I I cannot speak for anybody else. It doesn't feel like, I think in June, it felt like the system was looking at itself Mm -hmm. and Mm. it no longer feels like that because the system is so deeply entrenched that it doesn't just affect the people who are in the privileged positions. It also affects the people that it has taken over because Like for example, racism is so deeply rooted, it is also internalized. So I'm not just getting pushback from like white people, I'm getting anti-black pushback even from black people. Oh wow. Right. So this is work that we have to do as a collective.
1: Yeah.
3: And if and and if you're not trained in DEI, like diversity, equity, inclusion. Like it, it's hard to be. It's just a whole other like you know what I mean. It's just yeah. a whole other like um, ball game, is what I'm gonna say. And it takes so much fucking work. Yeah. And I and I I, I just don't think that. I, I hate to be negative, but it doesn't feel like it's actually happening because what I'm seeing is a lot of people using big fancy words, as Daphne likes to say, <laughs> and get and getting spicy on the keyboard mm-hmm. and. And um, a lot of people are doing really micro-aggressive, harmful shit. And it's very, very difficult to watch. It's very difficult because then you're like, I thought we were, oh, no, we were not. Okay, got it.
1: So you guys were all pretending. What does it take? Does it take a new tragedy like every time to sort of? You know to oh god i hope not right well it just seems like because you know after george floyd there was so much like so much response online and so much talk about you know uh how we have to change and how it you know uh and then yeah like and then what does it take for us to be able to maintain that right to be able to continuously and i think that's it it's so much easier for so many people to just be like yeah whatever i'll just go watch another netflix show and then to you know that's right carefully look inwards and say what what is it I can do or what is it I can how can I how can I contribute how can I help how can I make how can I bring progress to yeah because like to speak
3: to like something I was even saying earlier it's like something as simple as like how you choose to react not even choose how you naturally react to a black woman questioning you is usually one from that perspective and nobody will question that. I've seen people be like, yeah, but you were being I'm not necessarily talking about me. I'm just saying in general. Like they'll be like, yo, but you were being hostile and you were being a bully and I'm like, because I asked a question?
2: <laughs> and they're
3: like, oh, but it's the, it's the way you asked. I typed it. So how do you know what way I said it? Yeah.
0: it's, it's yeah. your existence is being challenged.
3: That's right. And they don't they don't see it they don't see it like that. So they <laughs> don't I understand proper punctuation right (laughs) but but that is very true that is very true because for example I use proper punctuation because I was born in 1980 (laughs) (laughs) internet speak is something I had to learn I wasn't born into it yo my cousins like they taught me how to use my phone (laughs) I'm not I'm not saying like oh I'm so old but when I was a teenager we didn't have cell phones we didn't didn't, like we had the internet on the second half we still typed in typewriters for the first half of our of our like high school years like you know what i mean we were learning how to use computers and stuff and so
1: like yeah i'm doing faces and no one can see i think they can tell by the they can tell by the emphasis of the pause yeah like (laughs) so
3: it's like i I don't know what you want me to do why are you now what i appreciate is is when people go yeah, like I, I thought you were upset, and I'm like, why I'm upset? <laughs> why, why are you seeing? And and you know what's so funny, is okay. So, Bree, you know Coco, you know Coco and Daphne pretty well. Like you know both of us mm-hmm. pretty well, and Daphne is a very bubbly person. Hey, how's it going? What, what's happening? And I'm <laughs> a more serious person. Um, I for sure have resting bitch face. I don't <laughs> apologize for it. Um. And oftentimes people will go to Daphne and be like, is Coco mad? (laughs) And Daphne will look over. This is a story that Daphne tells. Uh, Daphne will look over and I'll be in a neutral face, which is a resting bitch face. And then Daphne will go, oh, no, she's having a great time. (laughs) (laughs) She's like your facial interpreter.
1: oh no this is the best I am her, her right
3: I am her language translator like if she can't say something in English I I say it for her and she is my face interpreter
1: yeah. oh man I do have to say that okay Nick you're I didn't again Nick isn't aware of this the one of my favorite memories of comedy career was when both of our airplanes or when we couldn't get to to New York and Coco and I had to drive Candace and Daphne all the way to New York City overnight yep. <laughs> yes what oh. what but yeah. that is one of
3: my favorite memories of just my life that was so it was because such a the great time yeah be, because the four of us uh there was a rainstorm that weekend oh my god and all planes were canceled except for one and we were just so determined to get to new york because that it was a vacation for us we're like fuck this we want to go and york so we City, were it's DC. Yeah. yeah we were sitting there at um at the airport and we were like what do we do and then <laughs> and then we and then only brie and i drove and we're like should we rent a car and then i was just like yo fuck that i have a car so we took a cab to my condo which is like close by the airport got hopped into the car went to tim horton's bought a bunch of <laughs> treats and just drove through a, a downpour of rain i was so terrified
1: because i Aww. couldn't see and then I had to wake Brie out I was like yo you gotta drive through us so it was so funny because I was like I'm I'm gonna be so good I'm gonna be so good like at night and then like what's gonna be hard for me is the morning and then I like started driving a little bit and I was like no Coco I can't you have to and then you did (laughs) I was so glad that you took the the chunk of time that you did because when I woke up I was like good to go yes Um, and you were yeah and then I went to sleep yeah Yeah, and then I, I just even like the, okay, the fun times in the car, for one, and then even just like the idea of like when we were driving in, you could finally see the sort of Manhattan skyline. And the like, as the sun was rising, I was like, This is a fucking mess, man. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it was so funny. I and and I remember like that, that car ride. We we made a pack, the four of us were like, Yo, whatever we talk about in this car just stays here. Yes. <laughs> we're never going to repeat <laughs> it. But it. It was just like the most.
1: Fun conversations yeah. that we had. Yeah. I look forward to a time when we can maybe do, not, not, maybe not overnight and maybe not in a rainstorm, but maybe go yeah. on a trip and have yeah. some, some good time. But it was just, I think it was also like, it
3: was just so spontaneous. Yeah. Like we just, yes, and the moment, not to be nerdy about it, but we, yeah, yes, and. Was a, we def, it was yeah. a
1: big improv reaction there for sure. Yeah. Cause I was like, what do we do? Like, let's just draw i drive you drive let's do it let's do it <laughs> let's drive overnight to new york city and, and then uh, shannon o'neill made made a spot for you and daphne to go play right. for her uh, or play for or play on on their show i don't know It was a great weekend overall it was um anyway this is great thank you coco it's been so nice to chat with you is there uh-huh. is there anything that you wanted to bring up or is there anything you want to promote or anything that you're excited about coming Uh, up for you. I'm always excited about bad dog theater.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That's good to hear considering you run the place. (laughs) I do run the place. Uh so if 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 y'all want to watch improvise or like improvise comedy, it's not all long form. Some of it is like we also just shift the idea of what improvise means. So one of their shows for example is called Ayaka's Kitchen is just her taking an ingredient that she does not actually use in sushi and putting it in sushi.
1: (laughs) And then being like, let me see what this tastes like. (laughs) She's so funny. That woman, like just like the natural, uh, anyway, any, any she's so kind.
3: Ayaka, uh, is one of the kindest people that we have, uh, in our improv community. And I hope to God that is forever protected. Like she's so, she's such a precious person.
1: You cannot have her back Japan. She's, <laughs> here she's here forever now.
3: not only can you not have her back but nobody in the community better fuck with her yes <laughs> i will be so back. fucking upset <laughs> then you will really see me upset don't think i'm upset through my emails if i get in your face upset that's when you know don't fuck with i, I i'm just gonna say name a few people that i don't need you to fuck with because they're so kind and precious please don't fuck with ayaka please don't fuck with Ajanis. please don't fuck with abba okay sounds there you go the rules are laid out folks. those rules are laid out <laughs> I love those three people so much like I've been watching their career kind of like blossom and they're and they're such such nice people and artistic right so I love that like bad dog can give them a space to flourish as comedians well ABBA doesn't work at bad dog but Ayaka and <laughs> There,
1: yeah Nick is there anything you wanted to Nick's—he's the one who takes notes. I'm just like, I just listen.
3: Yeah, you gotta—you gotta gotta ask me. Do I have ten questions to be asked? I'm down.
0: (laughs) I do not have ten questions. I, I, like I said, it was all just going back to the the other stuff. And I I like the bit where you're talking about you were older in life when you came to improv, and how that relates to like finding your honesty. And I think that's a quality that you can only that most people only pick up with like age and reflection like uh if you ever ask yourself what you truly want to do I always thought that was like an easy question like oh I want to go watch tv or you know play baseball or whatever but then like no man what do you really want to do why are you here like that you gotta you gotta get around to that question and spend a little bit of time <laughs> figuring it out <laughs> yeah yeah
3: I think that like Age is such a cool thing because I've always wanted to get older because I couldn't wait to be confident in my decisions. <laughs> yep. Uh and I hear sometimes I have conversations with people who are younger, like in their 20s, early 20s, late, late teens. And they're so like, nah, man, fuck you. You don't know what you're talking about. Like age is not a thing. And I'm like, you wait. <laughs> I was that mouthy 18-year-old too. I was that person too.
0: Oh god, um, I'd be there like I feel embarrassed for you right now.
3: because <laughs> you're going to feel it later. Yep. Yep. I remember someone telling me once, like a like a young person telling me once that like age is not like doesn't mean anything and I was like, okay, let's let's just do this quick analogy. You get a math equation. I've been doing the same math equation for 40 years and you have been doing it for 20 years who do you think is going to pass that exam faster
0: well the young people old people suck at math <laughs>
3: <laughs> but you've been That's doing the right. same equation you know all the in and outs oh, so you answer. know exactly <laughs> it's where yeah. you make your mistakes you know what I mean like you yeah. for sure would just be yeah
1: I know I know but I'm like
3: <laughs> not me I will <laughs> I will explain get the shit there. Out. Um, but yeah, I just, I just think, um, I, I think for me, like, I, what I hope is that like the mistakes that I've made, the things that I've struggled with, that I can remove that barrier for people that are coming up, um, and, and allow them to pass through a little bit faster. They will have their own struggles, Mm -hmm. but let them not have the exact same struggles that I've had. Like, you know what I mean? um yeah. so if i can do that oh the other person that we should that i don't want anybody to fuck with is she hang ma don't
1: fuck with she hang ma, <laughs> <laughs> don't fuck with she hang ma. Have four people on this list now i got to watch i it. have four people <laughs> okay. on that list <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: amazing uh okay oh, all right nick one more question are you still last well, thing
0: all right great here? oh wait i'm allowed all right good I'm um allowed.
3: So- i feel how many questions do you have on there
0: this is the last one i i have like black improv slash black comedy and i know for a fact that black comedy is its own thing like if you if you listen to stand up at all then you know that like the black rooms are special uh like i'm a big fan of burr and he's like you want to know why i'm so good at comedy? Is because i went through the the black comedy system and it's like it's interactive with the audience. You got to win them over super fast or you're dead. So I was wondering, like, is there yeah. enough of a black improv scene that you've noticed that is, is there inherent difference to black improv like there is in black comedy mm. setup
3: Um, so is it too soon, maybe? I would say, no, I would say that um, black comedy is a bubble. So I've played like Coco and Daphne uh, have played. <laughs> Why am I doing that? Daphne and I. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You're referring to yourself as your troop name. As, your troop. as our troop. Yeah, that's true.
3: Okay, so Coco and Daphne, we've played Black uh, stand up rooms. So, meaning it was a stand up lineup and then us. In fact, those were the first stand up rooms that we played. Mm, is, yeah. uh, we played things Black Girl Say, we played Black Like She, which was a predominantly stand up lineup. And then they were like, and we have an improv troupe now. And we're like, <laughs> hi. um, <laughs> It is different and it is and and that's what and back to what i had said like being challenged by well you're not funny for this room has made us a little bit more well rounded because we've had to play and be funny and win over audience in rooms like an all black room uh like an all queer room cuz we play different uh kind of um audience to different audiences sure yeah and and um yeah, and and it, it not only has taught us to really push ourselves, it's also taught us to just be better people, because you don't get to, like for example, I don't I don't get to be in a quote unquote variety audience and get to say hateful shit and then remove it when I when I get to an all black room and an all queer room. And the reason why I say that is because improv is such an innate art. It's, it's part of who I am. Like, who I am shows up on stage. So, if I'm hateful in one room, you, you better you're believe me. Bring them
0: out to another room. room. Yeah. yeah. Um,
3: so, I'm not going to be like, oh, I'm going to, like, you know what I mean? So,
1: I've seen so many of those stand ups who are like super, like, play cool in one room and then come to Niagara and do a show. And you're like,
3: exactly. <laughs> you know exactly what I'm talking about because even within black spaces there are different kinds of rooms there are rooms that are more old school they have that more like hey we're gonna make fun of you type of thing and then uh-huh. there are like more um I, I want to use the word progressive but it's like black queer folk trans folks kind of rooms mm-hmm. and like you know what I mean? I like playing those rooms that's the audience of black and funny that's my people that's the category i fit into so there's a lot of shit that you won't hear me saying in general because i just don't even think that way mm-hmm. and what happened this is a funny 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 story and anybody who was at this particular black and funny i will never speak of who it was but everybody who was at this particular black and funny will know what happened is there was a comic who did who who does like the circuit and amazing comic honestly, this person is an amazing comedian and, they, and they're and they not used to that progressive room. And when they did that room, they, they were winning the audience, winning the audience, winning the audience. And then did this one joke and the whole audience went,
2: oh.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and they felt it. And at the end, they were like, oh no. <laughs> and I'm not laughing at them. Like I felt bad, but in my head, I was like, why did you do that joke? <laughs> What's wrong with you? <laughs> What's, why did you do that joke at all? Like, this is not the room for that joke. Um, And it just goes to show there are different rooms, even within Black folks.
1: Yeah, look at, yeah. Yeah,
3: so, yeah, so I feel like uh, it is different. It is more, it, it pushes you to be better. Uh, it, As an improviser, it pushes you to be better. It pushes you to really um expand your scope of what can be funny and i feel that expansion makes us just better human beings
1: i love that perfect i love that so much coco thank you so much for talking to us today it has been i feel like we've taken up so much of your time and i apologize
3: i loved it i've had so much oh my god i didn't even realize what time it was i just checked and
1: i was like oh shit. (laughs) (laughs) but it was so insightful and it was so uh, it was so awesome to hear your story and to hear about, you know, the the stuff that you got to go through as uh, as, you know as, as the boss, you know as the boss, you know, the boss of the bad like, the boss. Oh my god, I have, I have a, a hard, hard
3: time with those kind of titles. Mm,
1: I love it. Coco is the boss.
3: <laughs> I just let other people say. I I have such a hard time. I, I'm like I'm artistic and managing director. That's what I say. AKA and the uh, boss. <laughs> Wait, that's your like white
0: colonial oppressor sh- shining oh, blue I'm sorry. right there.
3: I'll, stop. I'll, stop. I'll back away. I'll back away. Oh no, not necessarily. I mean, being a boss is a huge thing. And like, you know, it's B-O um dollar sign dollar sign. Oh, boss. oh.
0: <laughs> That's how you're supposed to pronounce
3: it. Yes. It's I a boss. Right. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's a boss. There we go. Yeah. Now she's saying <laughs> uh, yeah. I,
3: I it. think one of my favorite rap lines and i attributed it to my grandmother because my grandmother is such a boss right so um the line is from rick ross who's a problematic rapper but he says who the fuck you think you fucking with i'm the fucking boss
1: hey that that is how we end this podcast (laughs) (laughs) thank you coco best of luck to you and best of luck to all of the great programming at bad dog uh we're definitely gonna plug bad dog and that kind of stuff in our outro but thank you so much oh and can can we get you you. do you want to say struggle on that's how we sign off this bad boy what's what's the line struggle on (laughs) that's right adjust your glasses while you're doing it uh thank you for
3: having me and to everybody who's listening struggle on
1: yeah
0: (laughs) super good episode
1: really enjoyed that oh great oh coco i i look forward to see what coco does with bad dog like the new when we're allowed to gather again the new Mm -hmm. generation of bad dog it's it sounds like it's going to be an exciting place Uh, or and you know streaming service like an exciting amalgam of the two Ooh, there's a (laughs) word (laughs) so Um, you're big on the future i am big on the future (laughs) right now yeah (laughs) because there's nothing else (laughs) okay it was Uh, a a really great chat nice memories it was nice to re-remember that trip to new york we took which was very silly times oh my god
0: road trips remember
1: Remember yeah well i do remember brie and they'll happen again darn it yes yes they will in a far-off
0: future when the world (laughs) is (laughs) ruled
1: by cats oh well i'm okay with that too (laughs) driving cats drive driving
0: Yep. They like drive around. they take us places? I'm okay oh, with that. Oh, we'll be long dead, Brie. Sorry. Oh,
1: okay. Well, never mind. I have nothing to look forward to then. Their, their uh, human
0: masters will haunt them through time and fill them with a longing that will never be filled. So they take up time driving and, you know, just looking at sunsets.
1: That sounds really nice for them, though. It's, it's you know, got to do something, right? That's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, if you enjoyed uh, this episode and you want to find out more about Coco. You got to check her out um, on her social medias. Uh, You could definitely follow her on Instagram at Coco Galore. And she's on Facebook as well. You could follow the Bad Dog Theater as well. Uh, Again, on Instagram, I've got at Bad Dog Theater. And I think if you want to take classes specifically too, they have a separate account just for Bad Dog classes. And if you want to check out the duo, uh, Coco and Daphne, they're on there too. They're on the Instagram. So take a look at that
0: friend of the friends of the pod now
1: yeah we should uh, yeah both of them we should uh we're i think we'll tag back to that episode we did with daphne because i bet lots has happened since then lots (laughs) has happened since. yeah that
0: that is patently true and while you're on social media checking out other people's accounts uh you could check out our stuff on instagram facebook and the twitter
1: yeah you should uh we're there
0: <laughs> <laughs> we are <laughs>
1: that's right and while you're at it if you're downloading this episode if you listen to this episode on uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify you know what we would really appreciate if you would leave us a rating and a review oh my goodness we would love that so much we'd and probably I read like, it
2: yeah we would read <laughs> on it I would read it, on, yeah, we, yeah,
1: I would read it live we just would for because sure I would be so thankful Yeah, and uh, read it live We're doing it live. (laughs) Yeah. And if you're like, you know, if you're like, I got some struggles I want to talk about. I got some creative struggles. Give us a little shout on the same social media as we were talking about earlier, because we would love to talk to you. You better believe
0: we'd talk about that.
1: Yeah, that's what we love to talk about. Uh, also, if you're just like maybe I don't want to be on the podcast, but I do want to share a little struggle I've been dealing with, feel free to knock that into the like Facebook chat or something. There's yeah. a, we've got a nice network of of people we know who might be able to uh, you know cheer you on, encourage you, and help you get over the h- struggle hump. That's what I'm that, going to call them, it. It like is a mighty hump, hump so. as well. Yeah, sometimes they're big humps, sometimes just a little hump. But either way, we're uh, we're here. We're we're here to support you on your. Uh, On your journey, on your artistic journey, on your, yeah. For For two, for siblings, I think this has gone way too far into the hump discussion.
0: (laughs) i made it weird yeah Um,
1: yeah i almost apologized for that yeah i'm sorry
0: (laughs) that's my bad
1: (laughs) um but anyway if you're having struggles humping that's another podcast (laughs) that's a different podcast you're gonna have to deal with uh anywho thank you so much for listening uh thanks so much to coco for such a wonderful interview nick what do you got to say and uh well i mean tune into hump struggles and uh struggle (laughs) on struggle on (laughs) hashtag humps (laughs) my humps